0: If you'll turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. I began speaking to you last week about the articles of faith on which this church was founded. And we used the articles of faith from Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is the church that reached out to establish Bethlehem. And we want to continue talking about that this morning as we come to Article 2 of those articles of faith. And the reason, again, if you remember from last week, the reason I'm using Zion's is because it's older and there's eight articles in Zion as opposed to 11 articles in Bethlehem's. And some, a couple of Bethlehem's are included in one of Zion's, so just to keep it simpler. So let's read Second Timothy 3 and 16, which directly ties to the article of faith that we look at today. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect. That means, doesn't mean sinlessly perfect. That means mature, throughly furnished unto all good works. Now let me read to you Article 2 of the Zion Primitive Baptist Church's Articles of Faith. It was established in 1847. We believe... That the scriptures of the Old and New Testament are the Word of God and only rule of faith and practice. It's hard to put an emphasis on which article is more important than the other, but I, I think in this very simple statement of belief, which is the statement it's identical to the statement of belief of Bethlehem, I, I think it would be safe to say this is probably the most important one because it encompasses everything. You know, we talked last week about the three-in-one God. And where do you get the three-in-one God from? You get it from the scriptures. You see, that's where it teaches that. So if there is a most important article of faith, I believe it would be article two that says, we believe that the Old Testament, the New Testament scriptures are the inspired word of God. And it's the only rule of faith and practice. If you think about how societies are all, in some way or another, governed by some code or some constitution. You think about our constitution that the United States of America has. You think about the Mosaic Law of the days of Israel when Israel was established. They lived by that code. I was looking at some other famous codes or charters or things that people governed themselves by. You think about the Magna Carta in 1215, which contributed incredibly to eventually the formation of the United States of America. All those hundreds of years before. Listen, if there was ever a time that you needed to equip yourself with accurate and true history, you're living in that time when people are trying to rewrite history. The reason that America came into being had to do with some incredible monumental charters or codes or documents that came into being. And one of those was the Magna Carta where King John of England was approached by nobles and such in that nation and basically forced him into agreeing to the Magna Carta. Very interesting. The Pilgrims Mayflower Compact. You know, when those pilgrims arrived on the shores of America, they came up with the Mayflower Compact, which compact means contract or constitution to govern themselves by. Very interesting to read if, you, if you've never read it. Very simple, very quick read. All civilized societies have some code by which they live and as christians specifically as primitive baptists as old baptists we have a code by which we govern ourselves and the doings and the activities of the church of god and in article 2 you find that the people in 1847 says we are committing ourselves to be governed by this particular code and people say well the humanist today lives by no code. Yes, he does. The humanist does live by a code and it is basically the code of evolution, which is the law of the jungle. You see, if you think you descend from animals, then you're going to think that you're no different than an animal, but you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are not descended from animals. Now, if you were like me when the kids were real young and they were crawling around on the floor, they acted like little animals, didn't they? Just crawling and biting and scratching and all this stuff, but you don't descend from animals. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. That is the reason. one of the reasons that evolution is not just some type of scientific theory. It is an attack on the Holy Creator, you see? And you see, all of that, all of that is contained within this article. We believe that the Old Testament and the New Testament Scriptures are the inspired Word of God. So listen to the language again. We believe that the Scriptures of the Old and New Testament are the Word of God and the only rule of faith and practice. The plenary or verbal inspiration of Scripture, that's a big word, but it just means that everything in the Bible is true and inspired by God. That's what that means. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture, that's the Old Testament and the New Testament, is given by inspiration of God. That word inspiration, it is the Greek word, if it does anything for you, uh, Theonustos. Theo means God. Noustos means wind or breathed or that which breathes. Noustos is the same word that's used in John 3 and 8 where Jesus speaks of the spirit being like the wind. Okay, So it literally means that God has breathed into men the words that they say. 2nd Samuel 23 and 2 this is David on his deathbed and this is what David says on his deathbed David of all people in the history you know he's got so much recorded of what God breathed into him the psalms you understand And on his deathbed, 2 Samuel 23 and 2, David said, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. I mean, it literally means that the breath of God came upon David and took over what he said. And you'll see in a minute from a verse that a lot of times those prophets like David and the different ones that God did this with, they didn't even really know exactly what they were saying. Think about Ezekiel. He sees that wheel within a wheel and that magnificent looking thing coming across. That, that was a vision, of course, but he, it was difficult for him to describe what he was seeing. He was under the influence of the Holy Ghost. And he said exactly what God wanted him to say. Acts 4 and verse 24 and 25, as the apostles are rehearsing some things there, they say this. They say, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is... Watch this now. Who by the mouth, that's God, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? That's another quote from the Psalms. You know, the apostles in the New Testament, they said they believed in the plenary and verbal inspiration of the Scripture by the Holy Ghost. They said right there that David said something by God causing him to say something. Look at 2 Peter 1 and verse 20. We look at verse 20 and 21 of 2 Peter. This has to do with, do you believe that the Old Testament and the New Testament Scriptures are the inspired Word of God? Do you believe that? I hope you do. I believe that you do. 2 Peter 1 and verse 20, let's read. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. Now watch this. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now notice it says that the prophecy, the word of God, the scripture is not of any private interpretation. That means a selfish or self-motivated interpretation. It doesn't say that it's not of any interpretation. Y'all see that? You can interpret the word of God and you know how you do that? Number one, you don't do it by private interpretation. You do it by rightly dividing the word of God, comparing scripture with scripture. You think that was a problem? Because that's what Peter's addressing. It was a problem. People were using the scripture to their own private purposes. So here he says, the prophecy came not in old old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. To be moved, it means to be borne along as a mighty wind. You see, these men were passive when God got a hold of them, they were passive and they spoke what God told them to say. And most of the time, they didn't really know what exactly it meant. Look at First Peter 1 and verse 8. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, Peter preaching to the people. Speaking of Jesus, whom having not seen, you love, in whom though now ye see him not yet believing, you ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's a song we sing. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Now watch this. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Searching what, or what manner of time, the Spirit of Christ which was in them. Did y'all catch that? It's the Spirit of Christ in them. Did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. You see, those men, when they were under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, they were in their minds going, what does this mean? When is this going to happen? When will we see this? You think about Isaiah seeing the Lord high and lifted up in the temple and prophesying later about the suffering servant in Isaiah 51, 52, 53, right in there. He didn't understand. He understood the king in the the song of, of the suffering servant. He understood the king that he was speaking about better than he could understand the suffering servant that he was speaking about (laughs) they didn't understand and you say well that's all nice but what about us today now watch verse 12 unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the holy ghost sit down from heaven which things the angels desire to look into i've often said that I believe that verse of Scripture teaches that the angels come and look into the preaching of the gospel. They come and... and, Because angels aren't saved like people. You understand that? They're created beings that God created to do His bidding. So they don't fully understand salvation. So they come to look into those things. Maybe this morning the angels have hovered and gathered around as they did in the days whenever the enemy army surrounded Dothan and Elisha and his servant were there. And the servant couldn't see him. Elisha could already see him. You see, the Lord says here that those prophets that were inspired by the Holy Ghost were inspired to speak the things that they spoke for your benefit today, 2,000, almost 2,000 years after Christ was here. I hope you believe that. It's for your benefit, for the church. Notice it says in the articles of faith, we believe that they're inspired, the Old Testament, New Testament inspired, and that they're the only rule of faith and practice. Let me give you some very brief thoughts on faith and practice. I looked up the definition of the word faith. We've got definitions in the Word of God, but I looked up the Webster's 1828, which was closer to the time when the 1611 King James translation was put in place. The definition of faith in Webster's 1828 dictionary, in the primitive significance of the word, it's connected to a rope or a cable, but not like leading somebody along with a rope or a cable or pulling something, but like fastening something down. Like a ship, they used to have these, and maybe they still do, they probably have cables now, but they used to have these huge ropes and they'd fasten them on these things on the dock so that the ship wouldn't move. That's the indication that's given of the definition of faith. God intends for you to be fastened in your faith and your understanding and not like a child tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, as Paul said in the book of Ephesians. It means the ascent of the mind to the truth declared by another. Resting on the authority and veracity without other evidence. Y'all ever heard the old saying, my kids, they love my sayings. Because I've got some, I don't really have any original sayings, but I've got some that I pull from other people. They love my sayings. And sometimes my, my sayings are sort of out there and they have to ponder them. You know, like many a slip twixt a cup and a lip. You know, like, what? what does that mean? I'm like, you'll know when, when it happens. But y'all ever heard the saying... If I told you a rooster dips snuff, you can look under his wing. Y'all ever heard that saying? I know Brian has. <laughs> That's a saying his granddaddy used to say to me all the time. If I told you a rooster dips snuff, you can look under his wing. That's silly, it's funny. But the point of it is, if I told you something serious, or if I told you something this is the truth, would you believe me? Would you believe me? It would be based on whether or not I'm of the character or in the habit of telling the truth, you see? If I've lied to you several times or misled you several times, you, you probably wouldn't believe me. So faith has to do with believing and trusting in what you're being told. Now, I'm not just talking about me speaking. I, I hope that you can trust me. I want you to trust me. I'm going to do, do my best not to ever tell you the wrong thing or lead you in the, and going to lead you in the direction of the Word of God. But I'm talking about the Scriptures, you see. Beyond me, beyond Brother Luke, beyond the preachers that you listen to, the Word of God will never lie to you. It may tell you some things that you don't want to hear. It made me think of The Last Battle, C.S. Lewis, the last book of the Chronicles of Narnia. And in the beginning of that book, the little girl who's the one of the heroines in the book, her name is Jill, Jill Pole, and she encounters Aslan. And Aslan, it's a very short, brief encounter there, before she goes out into Narnia and Aslan gives her four signs to look for. She says, no, rehearse these signs to me, listen to what I'm telling you, and then watch for these signs. And that was going to be like a map, like a guide for her as they went through all the things they went through. And I think, if I'm right, I think she missed three out of the four. <laughs> you see, she missed three out of the four because it it... It begins to fade in our minds. If I tell you the Word of God, and this Word applies to your life, you know, when we get out there in the world, it just kind of begins to fade from our minds sometimes, doesn't it? Because we're sinful creatures. Now, when it comes to practice, where it says the Word of God is our only rule of faith and practice. Faith is what you believe, personally. Your assent to the truth, okay? And then practice is defined as the exercise of any profession. I'm engaged in the practice of law in my secular work. Someone might be engaged in the practice of medicine or some other type of thing. Now, how would it be, as an Alabama lawyer, how would it be that if I I began to practice law in Alabama according to the code of Georgia? (laughs) according to the code. We're pretty close to Mississippi. We're according to the code of Mississippi. If I started putting Mississippi code citations in my filings, or Georgia code citations, I'm not going to last very long, am I? (laughs) I'm not going to make it. You see, the code that I practice by is the code of Alabama. You see that? And so the church of God, it will not last when it practices or looks to any other code than God's code. Y'all understand that? That's why it says we believe that the Old Testament and the New Testament are the inspired Word of God and the only rule of faith and practice. So that which governs or directs us about what we do or what we think or believe is from the Word of God. You want to know why there's so many different ways to worship today and so many different ideas about salvation, parachurch organizations, extras added on? It's because God's people have moved away from using the Word of God as their only rule of faith and practice the history of Baptists in general has been that if the scripture is silent on something, then we don't do it. You hear me? If the scripture is silent, then we don't do it. Let me give you an example. The scripture doesn't say that we can't have a bowling alley attached to our church. There's no verse in the Bible that says thou shalt not have a bowling alley. You know, scripture doesn't say that. But it doesn't say you can, but it doesn't say that you can't. So Baptists in general, if it's silent about bowling alleys, you know, fill in the blank. You want to know why we keep it simple? You want to know why we don't add anything to the worship? Why we sing, we preach, we pray, we fellowship. We do what Acts, the, the second chapter, does teach us about what the church does, right? Continuing in the, in the doctrine and in prayers and breaking of bread and fellowship. It does say that, see? I've always said, I've talked to people through the years about why we do keep it so simple. And I, I, I'm just like, well, try it. Just try it for a little while. I think you'll get hooked on it. Number one, because it is so simple. Number two, most importantly, because it's what God's Word said. You want to know why we do what we do as we are worshiping the Lord. It's because it's what the Scripture clearly teaches, that they sang, they preached, they prayed, they fellowshiped, and then we just leave other stuff off because I don't believe you can improve upon what God set up. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable. It's good for you. The word of God is good for you. It's good to believe these things that I'm teaching you and it's good for your life. It says it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction. And these those words are, don't, don't get lost in those words because they're pretty simple words. Uh, when it speaks of doctrine, it just means teaching. So it's profitable for you to be taught from the Word of God. It's profitable for reproof. That, that word, the root word of reproof, means to tell a fault. We don't like to have our faults told, do we? But that's what it means. It means that the Word of God will correct you. It will bring you back into line. It will tell the fault that's going on in your life. And then it's for correction. That means a straightening up again. And then for instruction, and you Star Wars fans, that's where they got the, the word Padawan from. It's, it's the Greek word padeia, which means education or training. You see, God's Word is profitable for all that. You see, can one book really have all the answers for me? Absolutely it can, and it does. It's of paramount importance to understand that the Word of God is the only rule of faith and practice. Jesus Himself said in John 5 and 39, search the Scriptures. Notice he told this to some people that thought you had to work your way to get to heaven, that thought that you had to do things in order to be acceptable before God. He said, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. The scriptures testify of Jesus. You want to get excited about your Bible study? You can find Jesus Christ on every page of the Word of God. And you could spend a lifetime, you could spend a lifetime studying the Word of God and never reach the end of, of plumbing the depths of the beautiful riches of grace in the Word of God because the Scriptures testify of Jesus. And the old Pharisees were just sitting there looking at him going, What's he talking about? He says, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. And then he says this Listen, and ye will not come to me for eternal life. Ye will not come to me for life. Brother Tim, I thought the preacher's been saying for years, come to me, come to Jesus, come and do the thing that you need to do. Jesus says, you will not come to me. See, Christ has to go to you for eternal life. That's what the Scripture teaches. Now, I ask you the question, do you believe that the answer of how to worship and any question that you have in your life is found in the Word of God? Do you believe that church? I didn't hear him, but maybe two amens. Do you believe that church? (laughs) Well, that means that when you come across issues in your life, that you are stating publicly that you will consult the Word of God on knowing how to deal with those issues. And not only that, when it comes to the worship of God in the church of God, that means that you will consult the Word of God. Take the desert island test. If you got amnesia and were stranded on a desert island, and hopefully you had food, you know, coconuts to eat or whatever, but you had a King James Bible, that's all you had to read. And you got amnesia from whatever background you may have had. You know what you're going to be when you come off of that island? You're going to be a primitive Baptist. Because you're not going to add all the stuff to worship. You're going to find where Jesus himself, they sang, they preached, they prayed. You're going to see where they gathered to fellowship in the doctrine and in prayers and in breaking of bread and and fellowship there. Listen, you're going to come off of that island after having amnesia and realize I'm an old Baptist because it's simple. And God knows that we need it simple. Now, as we close our thoughts here this morning, I want to leave you with a couple examples. And there are several, I think, good examples, but I just want to give you a couple. And I'm going to give you a couple personal examples. I've shared with you before when Sister Tracy and I, when we were on our honeymoon, you know, I carried her out and we got lost in the dark on that mountainside. That's never going to leave me and I'm never going to stop using that as an example. Number one, because I'm thankful to be alive and i think she's alive And number two, it shows how foolish I I was. But this was my thought, as we were in the dark, I didn't think, how did I get here? I knew exactly how I got there in the dark. But in my mind, and I don't know if I've ever told this to her, I think I have, but in my mind, it was going over and over like a billboard, a neon flashing sign, I wish I had listened to Tracy. Because she said, it's too late. We don't need to go. We're going to get caught in the dark. We don't have a flashlight. And, and in my, whether I was, I was probably too probable to admit it, Sister Tracy, but in my mind, I was, if I had only listened to Tracy, to her word, to what she said, have y'all ever been in a position like that where you say, if I had only listened to the word of God, I've been that, in that place many times, if I had only listened to the word of God. And the other example that I thought of was when we would be cutting hay or baling hay or raking hay or fluffing hay. We did a lot with hay, <laughs> hauling hay. Be on the back 40 somewhere, you know, sometime when I was maybe 13, 14 years old, it'd be a big hay field. Take a long time and you know, I might have to go do something with school or football or something at a certain point. And dad would say, he said, All right, I'll come relieve you or send somebody to relieve you around such and such time. And the time just passed off just like that because I had his word that I wasn't going to have to stay out there, you know, till dark. <laughs> that was the terror of thinking I'd have to stay out there on the tractor till dark and just, you know, leave the tractor out there or drive it in at dark. Dad said, I'll be there to get you at 4. I know you need to leave at 4.15 or something like that. And it made the afternoon not so bad riding that tractor. But now when he didn't tell me he was coming, it was, it was a long afternoon at 13 or 12 or 14 years old. But I had his word, I had his word that he was going to come and relieve me. Sometimes he'd send Chris, sometimes he'd come himself or send another farm worker. And what a joy it was. You know what, those of you who had been in that situation, somebody's coming to relieve you, if you were in a field, what are you constantly doing? Every time you come around the corner, you're looking at the gate. Where's that truck? Where's the truck? I mean, I bet I did that a thousand times, You know, even two or three hours before he was gonna be there. But I had an anticipation based on me trusting in the veracity of his word. Y'all see that? You don't wanna be in a situation where you look like I did and say, if I had only listened to this person, oh, if I had just listened. You wanna be in a situation where you're banking on what the word of God says and you're looking at the gate and you're thinking they're gonna be here and they're gonna be here on time. That's what God's word does for you. So we close with the article of faith like we did last time. We believe that the scriptures of the Old and New Testament are the word of God and the only rule of faith and practice. Do you believe that, church? If you're walking in the old paths, if you believe that's the only rule of faith and practice for your life. Now, I encourage you to examine your life and see in the areas of my life. I think you got it down for worship. I think you're walking in the old paths and following the Lord and letting the Lord lead you and anchor you. But branch out from just worship in your marriages, in your friendships, in your activities, in your school, in your work. Branch out from that and say, Lord, I know I believe this is the only rule of faith and practice, so am I following that rule for my life? Everybody follows some rule. Amen? If there's one more here that would like to follow the Lord in New Testament baptism, we give you that opportunity as we stand and sing.